Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by the American Beverage Association. Today's Wednesday, November 18th. Nancy Pelosi is back in as House Speaker. America's top cybersecurity official is out, and we're focused on Joe Biden's proposal to cancel student debt. President-elect Biden hasn't taken too many media questions so far, but one of the precious few caused lots of ears to perk up. It happened this past Monday when a reporter asked Biden if student loan debt cancellation would be part of his early economic efforts. He responded affirmatively, endorsing House Democrat plans to immediately forgive up to $10,000 in student loans. That is a very big deal, both in terms of the federal price tag and also for the tens of millions of Americans whose financial burdens would be eased. Now, a majority of student borrowers owe less than 20 grand, and the majority of those who default aren't the ones with the biggest bills. Those were likely racked up by grad school students. Instead, it's often those who dropped out of school along the way, maybe because of cost, and who therefore have less earning potential. The case for Biden's plan is pretty simple. Help lots of people and improve overall economic mobility thus lowering the cost burdens on social services. The case against Biden's plan is also pretty simple. It'll cost too much, and people should be responsible for their own debts. Plus the whole legislative question of whether he can really do it via executive order as opposed to going through Congress. So we want to dig into this with someone who's worked on student debt issues for years and who supports Biden's plan. Mike Pierce, Director of Policy for the Student Borrower Protection Center. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Mike Pierce, Director of Policy at the Student Borrower Protection Center. Mike, let's start here. Do we actually know what President-elect Biden's policy is when it comes to student loan forgiveness? Yes, we do. President-elect Biden was really explicit in his campaign. He ran on broad-based debt cancellation for all student loan borrowers. Uh, as part of the, the President-elect's campaign pledge around racial equity, um, he rolled out two different kinds of debt cancellation. One was targeted debt cancellation for families earning $125,000 a year or less related to uh, debt uh, tied to tuition at public colleges and HBCUs. But I think um, equally exciting um, is this commitment to cancel $10,000 worth of student debt for all student loan borrowers as part of the pandemic response. Uh, and both the president-elect and the vice president-elect uh, campaigned on this pledge um, we heard President-elect Biden talk about this in a town hall in Miami shortly before Election Day, where he said in crystal clear terms that he was committing to $10,000 worth of debt cancellation for everyone. Was that an evolution for him? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, that his original plan earlier on was $10,000 cancellation, but tied to years spent post-college in public service. That's actually a third debt cancellation proposal. That's another part of the commitment that he's made to student loan borrowers across the country. Uh, he called for overhauling the public service loan forgiveness program, which, uh, as you might be familiar, has had a, a pretty sordid recent history. Uh, so uh, a bit more than a decade ago, Congress created this program um, intended to provide debt relief to anyone that works in public service and follows a bunch of program requirements after a decade of service. And uh, during the Trump era, we saw the first borrowers become eligible for that. 98% of them who applied were denied. And so uh, the president-elect is committed to overhauling that program. Denied on what basis? 
failing uh, because they were misled by their student loan company around the kind of payment plan they needed to enroll in or the kind of loan they had that would qualify. In some cases, there were some mechanical steps they needed to take a decade ago to set themselves up for success, and they weren't. There's uh, been a, a kind of a wide range of litigation around the, the kind of failure and collapse of this program. Um, so uh, a, a bunch of reasons that actually don't apply to this commitment for broad-based debt cancellation. And in some ways, this is actually a reaction to the failure of that other program to live up to its potential. On the idea of the broad base, the $10,000, can you help me understand the landscape, I guess might be the best way to put it. $10,000, how much of student loan debt, existing student loan debt, does that wipe out? And give me a sense kind of what the average recent college graduate or maybe five years in is currently carrying to get a sense of what $10,000 would really mean. So there uh, is about $1.7 trillion in outstanding student debt. That's shouldered across about 45 million people. By some estimates, $10,000 worth of debt cancellation for all student loan borrowers would wipe clean the debts owed by somewhere between a third and 40% of those borrowers. So between a third and 40% of that 45 million borrowers, so more than 10, less than 20 million people, would be totally debt-free based on the Biden campaign's commitment. Uh, the remainder would see significant debt relief. Uh, and there's there's a bit of a spread across the tail of the student loan market going all the way up to higher debt borrowers that may have professional degrees or may have gone to more expensive schools. But uh, there is this, this very concentrated um, uh, fat middle of the student loan borrower distribution where you see borrowers that have moderate student loan balances uh, or even lower student loan balances. And this will be really life-changing for everybody, but particularly for that group of people. How confident are you that this is something the president-elect could actually do upon taking office with executive order as opposed to having to go through Congress? That's a great question. And I think that's a place where we've seen the conventional wisdom around what the president can achieve really shift uh, rapidly over just the past year. Um, so if you take a step back to the, to the uh, heady days of the Democratic presidential primary, uh, we saw first Senator Warren and then Senator Sanders release plans for legislative debt cancellation, Congress passing uh, new laws to provide debt relief to student loan borrowers. Uh, at the very end of the Democratic primary, Senator Warren proposed administrative action, uh, which is an idea that's really taken hold. The president has this authority under existing law to cancel debt under a, different, a bunch of different channels, but, but one in particular uh, with a stroke of a pen could wipe out the entire federal student loan portfolio if the president was inclined. Um, that power is something that can be used to effectuate this campaign commitment. Uh, and I think for those of us that have been working on this issue for a while, it was really interesting to see the president-elect on the campaign trail commit to immediate relief when talking about this $10,000 proposal. Immediate, but am I wrong in thinking that there would probably be a legal challenge if he were to try to do it via the stroke of a pen? A bunch of lawyers that are much smarter than me have spent a lot of time looking into that question specifically. And I think there are really, um, uh, th there's really not much of a toehold for opponents uh, of that kind of uh, government action to be able to uh, oppose it. Um, I think there are really meaningful questions about who would have standing to challenge such an action, and if they chose to challenge such an action, how a court would take it. I, I think broadly, Congress has already given the Secretary of Education the discretion to be able to choose when to enforce these debts. And if he or she chose not to enforce them, that's, that's already in the law. I mean, of course, Congress could come in behind and pass a law, but the whole reason we're having this conversation, I think, in part uh, about the, the promise of administrative debt cancellation is because it is in part a reflection of congressional dysfunction. This is why, this is why the president is in this position in the first place. This obviously would apply to people who currently have outstanding student loans. Does this do anything for a 
18-year-old, 19-year-old, 16-year-old who's planning to go to college in two years. Does this do anything for them? So the president-elect has a really bold set of commitments around how to make college more accessible and free for a huge share of the people that are uh, going to attend college in the future. Uh, I think we've always thought of this as two sides of the same coin. Um, you should wipe out student debt for the people that were harmed by the very serious flaws in the current system, but you should also make college free. You should make it broadly accessible for people to be able to attend college without going deeply into debt. Um, I'm sure that the, the president's going to have a set of actions that he will announce to effectuate on those campaign commitments, too. But that's a much bigger ask. And it's also a much bigger dollar. It's also a much bigger dollar amount. Is there any talk that you have heard either from the Biden campaign, now transition, or others about trying to do something on the cost control side? So not just paying off what people have spent, but actually putting, if not caps, reducing the massive increase in tuition at both public and private institutions? So the story of, of the increasing cost of college is in part actually a story of, of a bunch of policy choices that were made at the state level over the past 15 years. But well, wait, I, you're saying that, but isn't it also part of it? that you've got universities that are trying to attract students, so they build fancy new dorms and fancy new gyms, and they got to pay for those? To be able to understand that in context, you should look at where Americans get educated. People tend to make a lot out of lazy rivers and rock climbing walls, but as a practical matter, the vast majority of Americans that pursue higher education are going to open enrollment schools in their communities that don't have any of those amenities. The race at the very top. But I'm not just talking about the very top. I'm talking about the major state universities in big states. I'm in Massachusetts. UMass Amherst is not considered the greatest school in the world, nor are the other UMass satellites. They're good schools, but they spend an enormous amount of money and have some very, very nice looking facilities. Even state flagships who do educate a lot of Americans, um, these are not the, the locus for higher education for most people, and they're not driving the student debt crisis uniquely. Most people that go to higher education are going to a community college that you probably aren't talking about with your guests on the show generally. Um, and, and that they are not institutions that are, that are struggling to be able to keep up with their peers to offer the best deal to their students. They're struggling to keep the lights on. And in some ways, uh, direct assistance to those kind of public open enrollment schools as part of a COVID release pack, relief package, that's something that the president-elect is committed to. That's something that House Democrats have passed several times. And we'd hope to see that too, because you're exactly right. This is two sides of the same coin. And, and debt relief is really important. It's important for closing the racial wealth gap. It's important for all of these other policy reasons. It's important as a COVID response, but it is not a complete solution to solving the college cost. Give me the best argument, because obviously you've heard this. The, the biggest counter argument, I believe, to student debt cancellation is that there are lots of people who sacrificed a lot to pay off their student loans or pay up front for education in the first place. A lot of those people look and say, you know what, we sacrificed a lot for a lot of years to be able to get to this point, now you're basically giving a free pass to the people who come behind us, maybe even helps them leapfrog us or get to where we are without having to put in the same sacrifice. So I'm going to paraphrase something that I saw on Twitter, which is probably something that I shouldn't do. But uh, I feel like that argument at its core is saying, uh, I am objecting to you paying for other people to get a COVID vaccine because I already had COVID. No, oh, no, that's not, but that's not the paraphrase. It would be, I object to us paying for everybody to get a COVID vaccine because I already paid to get a COVID vaccine. Sure. But I, I think that there's more to it than that. I think that you have a very individualistic view of the problem, if that's the, if that's the concern that you have. And I don't think when you talk to student loan borrowers, when you talk to their families, student debt isn't just something that's held by the people that went to college. You have a generation of parents now that are aging into retirement with the student debt that they took on to be able to pay for their kids to go to college. 
Student loans uh, are now a problem at the community level. They're a problem at the municipal level. They're a problem at the state level. It's much bigger than a bunch of individuals struggling with their debt. Uh, and I'm just frankly skeptical that that particular argument is one that's actually going to take hold out of certain outside of certain corners in Twitter and, and maybe parts of D.C. Mike, final question for you. How confident are you that student debt cancellation in some form is going to be a colloquially first hundred day agenda item of the Biden administration? I think if you listen to the president elect, that certainly seems to be the case. Uh, there are things that are happening in the student loan market right now that are going to require presidential action. Uh, more than 40 million student loan borrowers have had their payments paused as a result of Trump administration actions. That's set to expire at the end of the year. Um, it's not clear that President Trump is going to do anything at all for those borrowers, and that's just going to get handed to President-elect Biden on day one to deal with. It means he's going to have to do something on student debt. He's made a bunch of broad commitments, and we're starting to see the entire Democratic coalition that pushed to make Joe Biden president come around to the idea that student debt cancellation needs to be a first 100 days priority. I think that this looks good and it's going to happen. Mike Pierce, Director of Policy at the Student Borrower Protection Center. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back. What we're watching today is the latest in the vaccine race. Pfizer, whose CEO appeared on Axios Recap last week, says that its vaccine has no serious side effects and that it plans to ask the FDA for emergency use authorization within days. If and when approved, Pfizer could have around 50 million doses available by year end, half of which would be for Americans. Although the company does also have some major distribution challenges because its vaccine must be stored at ultra cold temperatures. On the other hand, Moderna, its safety data is expected to come soon, likely next week, with its EUA request to follow. It also could have 20 million doses available by year end to Americans with less severe storage requirements. Remember, in both cases, patients will require a total of two doses, the original injection and then a booster shot, with frontline medical workers expected to be first in line. Today, we're also watching a New York City startup called Headway, which announced it raised $26 million in venture capital led by Josh Kushner's firm, Thrive Capital. Why it matters is that Headway provides software to therapists, which helps them accept insurance, which is something very few of them do traditionally because of low reimbursement rates. That in turn creates a huge barrier to mental health care. Here's how it works. Headway's software automates lots of back office paperwork tasks tied to insurance, thus making it more cost competitive to accept. The insurers pay, not patients or providers. CEO Andrew Adams tells me that he came up with the idea after moving to New York trying to find a therapist who took insurance so he could afford treatment and failing. Finally, and speaking of startups, there's a new one today from Marissa Mayer, the very early Googler who's been out of the spotlight since stepping down as Yahoo CEO in 2017. It's called Sunshine, and its first product is an AI-enabled address book app designed to dedupe and fill out incomplete contact information. Most interesting is that Sunshine promises not to make a business out of targeted advertising based on user data, which is exactly what Google pioneered while Mayer was there. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, please wish Mickey Mouse a happy birthday today. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.